What is up guys, my name is Josh Topping and welcome to Topping's Topics, episode number 5, coming at you weekly. <laughs> uh, that didn't work out, did it? Yeah, that's my bad. Anyway, so this episode, we're going to be talking about Infinity War. So, if you haven't seen the movie, I would suggest stopping this, going and seeing the movie, and then coming back, because we're going to be talking about it with a lot of spoilers. We're going to completely spoil the whole movie. So, go do that, and then come back. So before we actually start on that, I actually want to talk about the trailers leading up to the movie, because Marvel's been doing these things with their trailers recently where I, I don't really like I don't really like a lot of trailers because usually trailers spoil everything. It's like you kind of see the whole movie in the trailer, and I don't really like that, but at the same time I can't resist watching the trailer and getting myself hyped for the movie. But Marvel has been doing this thing recently since about I think it's been Ragnarok. If, if it's been earlier versions of it, let me know. But in Ragnarok, they show Thor on the bridge, and he actually doesn't have his eye missing. He has both of his eyes. And so when you go into the movie and you see him lose his eye, I thought that was a good thing that they, they hid, because you saw the bridge fight. You knew the bridge fight was coming up, but you thought he was going to have both eyes. It's a minor thing in that one. But in this movie, they do it a few times. So they actually have a few scenes in the trailer, and you can go back and look at it, so there's no Hulk in the final battle, but if you look in the trailer, there's Hulk running through the uh, forest. There's no running through the forest while I mention it. <laughs> that whole scene with them at the end running in slow motion, there's none of that. And when Quill and Tony are talking on Titan, there's no Doctor Strange hovering in the background, which is an important part of the final battle there. So I kind of like this whole, you know, not exactly showing their full hand to the audience. And I'm kind of hoping that it's actually real and it's not just them, you know, changing the script at the last second. Because... I think it's a smart tactic to do in trailers to maybe mislead or tease not to you don't want to like if it's a horror movie you don't want to shoot a trailer like an action movie that's just bringing in the audience under false pretenses but if you can kind of trick your audience into thinking different things I think that's a smart way to do it there was also scenes that were actually cut from the movie that you can kind of tell because um when Thor gets his hammer or his axe I don't know his stormbreaker when he gets his stormbreaker you see his fingers get the lightning and you see the hammer hover in the distance and that's it, that's the cut of the scene and the next time you see him is his epic return at the field of Wakanda which is actually, it's so, it's so set up so well um, but in the trailer you can actually see him standing there and holding the axe in his hand up above his head and the lightning coming out so, and that not being in the trailer, that not being in a movie is you don't need it in the movie, it's a 2 hour and 40 minute movie, you don't need extra scenes like that, you, you get it, he's picked the hammer up and he's come to Wakanda, so I like that they've cut that and I've liked that it's in the trailer, I think that's really good use of uh, the footage there. But anyway, enough of me going on about the trailer, let's actually go to the um, real movie. So the first two minutes of the movie I reckon sets up Thanos as one of the best villains in Marvel, uh, the Marvel Universe. Because he does so many things instantly that's like, okay, this is going to be a completely different movie. So the first thing he does is he fucking destroys the Hulk. In a 1v1 fight, just beats the shit out of him. And absolutely destroys him. And that's without using a single gem as well. Just beats the crap out of the Hulk. And you're like, okay, he's a formidable opponent. And then when Hulk's lying there unconscious, Heimdall you know, summons the little bit of energy he's got left and sends him off to Earth to warn people. And you think, oh, nice work, Heimdall, very good. Thanos walks over and goes, that was a mistake, and just stabs him in the chest. And you think, oh, shit. Oh, shit, the stakes of this movie are much higher than normal. And you think, okay, well, they've set the bar, they've, they've killed a character, uh, and he's beaten the shit out of the Hulk. So clearly, clearly, this means that everything is set up, we don't need any more. 
and then he goes and kills Loki as well. He just <laughs> just breaks his neck, strangles him and breaks his neck. And at that point, you've got to kind of respect Thanos as an enemy. You've got to kind of understand, you know, he is, he doesn't even have the gems yet. Like he has no gems and he's that powerful. And I think that is just a perfect setup for a movie. You've shown him to be utterly destructive and there's going to be more to come. I think that's a great way to set up a villain and a great way to make your audience and your, your main characters fear him before he even does anything. I think that's perfect. And then he blows up the shit with Thor in it, and then that's the, end of the, that's the end of the intro, which I think is a fantastic intro. Now, the first fight scene after that is uh, in New York City, uh, which is actually my favorite fight scene, mainly because it starts with one of my favorite type of shots, which is a long shot. So it starts with them standing at Doctor Strange's sanctum, and uh, they hear rumbling noises, and they walk out in the street, and it's all one take, is Tony walking down the street, and chaos ensues, and then turning back to look at Doctor Strange, and turning back to Tony Stark, and you turn the corner, and then there's a reveal of a giant spaceship hovering over New York. Now, I think that's a, that is a fantastic way to reveal such an unknown essence that's coming into the movie. And it makes you kind of, you know, nervous for the characters, because you can... The music is kind of swelling and you kind of feel nervous with the characters. And I like that kind of stuff. So they turn the corner and they reveal two guys standing there. They've got one guy holding an anchor and he's not important because I don't care about him. Because the other guy there is one of the favorite little villains that I've ever seen. Uh, his name is Ebony Moore. And I just love him. He's like, he was on the ship at the start as well. And he was giving a little speech about how they're all children of Thanos, even in death. But like, there's just something about him. There's something about his voice and the way he moves so elegantly. I just, I just really like it. It's just one of those guys that like, I don't know. And his power is so cool as well. I think it's telekinetic. I think that's his power because he just bangs people aside. Like anchor dude gets knocked towards him and he just flicks his hand and off he goes flying towards a car or, uh, Dr. Strange like throws him up into a wall and he just stops in midair and just covers, uh, covers Dr. Strange in bricks. Well, speaking about bricks, though, oh my god, this is a great scene. He pulls these bricks off the ground, and he just twinkles his fingers, and he turns them all into daggers, and he just sends them at Doctor Strange. It's just, like, his movements are just so effortless. It's such a shame that he dies so quickly in this movie, because I think he could have been really cool. But, I mean, when you've got a guy like Thanos in the movie, he, I mean, you don't, you don't really need anyone else. So I guess killing him is off pretty good. And he also dies in a pretty funny way as well. But we'll get to that, that's a bit ahead. So, <laughs> going back. So we have Doctor Strange... We have Wong, we have Bruce Banner, and we have Tony. They're all fighting the guys here. And they have some nice little quips back and forth, like Hulk's having problems turning into the Hulk. So I should say Bruce Banner is having problems turning into the Hulk. There's even a point where he's like slapping himself in the face and Hulk comes out of half the side of his face and says no. And it almost looks like he's a stroke victim falling back down. I don't know, it's just, I thought, I thought that was really funny and really well done. And I'm kind of curious to see how that Bruce Banner Hulk kind of dynamic is going to play out in the next one. But the scene ends basically with uh, Ebony Moore getting Doctor Strange onto a ship and uh, Spider-Man gets his new suit which looks sick. Uh, he gets to stow away in the ship and Tony Stark goes flying up much to Pepper Potts uh, begs and cries for him to come back and he's on the ship as well to save Doctor Strange. So they've got the Time Stone basically on board and now they're going for the Mind Stone which is in Vision. So Vision is actually in Scotland, uh, he's hiding with Scarlet Witch, and it reveals basically that they're in a relationship, um, and they've been stealing moments for two years now, basically working on a relationship together, which is nice, I kind of like watching Scarlet Witch and the Vision get together. But anyway, they're walking the streets of Scotland, 
and they see on the TV that Tony Stark is missing, an alien ship came to New York, and uh, Vision's have been having problems with the Mind Stone in his head, and uh, people are coming for him. Now, I don't know if it's the fact that I just wasn't expecting it, or if the fact that, you know, 10 years of Marvel movies have kind of shown me that the main character doesn't really get seriously injured. It was kind of a shocking thing to see Vision just get impaled from behind with a spear. And it's just like, and that he just gets held up in the air and he's just on there screaming. And I have to give credit where credit's due because I love Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany as the Vision is fantastic. And I'm kind of sad that this is possibly going to be his final movie as the Vision. I mean, I guess they could bring him back. They've done it in the comics, they could bring him back. But I feel like if they bring too many people back at the end of the movie, then it's going to be not worth it. Like, it's going to take away from Infinity War if they bring any too many people back. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. I haven't even talked about all the people who are going to die yet. Anyway, back back to uh, back to Scotland with Wonder and Vision. So they get, yeah, jumped and ambushed by, um, I think it's Midnight and Glaive are their names. And you get stabbed by Glaive. Glaive uses a spear. Why wouldn't Glaive use a Glaive? You'd think that with a name like Glaive, you'd choose the weapon like a Glaive. Like, if my name was Swordy McSwordson, I'd use a sword. I wouldn't use, like, a hammer. Anyway, I'm getting distracted. I'm getting way too distracted. So they have this little fight out, and Wanda beats the shit out of them, but not really. She kind of gets... All the fights in this thing is kind of like the characters are holding their own, but just. Um, and that is right until um, they, they are flying around, and they crash into the train station. They meet Steve Rogers and Natasha and um, the Falcon there. And they win the fight, basically, in the Midnight and Glaive, they take off. Which is really important, because I think that... This and one other scene are one of the only two scenes, basically, where the Avengers actually, quotation marks, win the fight. And even then, they don't actually win the fight. Like, they retreat to come attack them again later. That's basically that it. But it's important that, like, a movie this big and ca characters that we usually see win the fights struggling so hard to actually do so. And I think that's, I think that, you know, you feel that in the cinema. You feel... The change, like, but that's because they said it so well off at the start, you know, they killed Heimdall, they killed Loki, they sent off Thor after he got beaten, and so you now genuinely feel worried for these characters if they're going to win or not. Even Iron Man has struggle against uh, Anchor Dude at the start, and Doctor Strange gets owned by, by Ebony Moore. So, I mean, you actually, you're genuinely, the stakes, which is what people always complain about in Marvel movies, the stakes not actually being there, the stakes are actually genuinely felt because you are unsure what character is going to, you know, survive each encounter, and I think that's good. The next scene is basically a shot of space, and you hear the music start, and instantly you know the Guardians of the Galaxy are going to be there. But just in case you were worried, they come up with a classic funny title as Space, as where they are, and then you see the ship and all the guys singing. And I think it's, it's really good in a movie this big, so packed full of different characters, that, you know, showing stars and playing a little music and you instantly know the next characters that are going to be on screen. But they're responding to a uh, distress signal and they pick up the pirate angel Thor, uh, who is alive. No Loki, no Heimdall, but Thor is alive. Thor's actually a great fit with the Guardians of the Galaxy. He kind of just, I don't know, he kind of just suits in really well. I don't know if he would have before Ragnarok, but after Ragnarok, his comedic style is kind of the same as Guardians of the Galaxy. And it's really nice to see them bounce off each other. Like, um, him calling Rocket a rabbit, which I just, I don't know, I just find that really funny. And I kind of hope, I, di I didn't like the first Thor movie. It wasn't great. I didn't, I really didn't like the second Thor movie. But the third Thor movie was really good. And I kind of feel like Chris Hemsworth is hitting his stride as that character. Where they've kind of made him less of a god and, and there's more human in him. Um, so I kind of hope, and I don't know if they will, but I kind of hope if they, they do more Thor movies, 
they actually put him in with the Guardians of the Galaxy working with them because I think that'd actually be really cool. Um, but anyway, they get on the ship and uh, Thor says he thinks that Thanos is going to go for the Reality Stone, which is in the possession of Collector on Nowhere. Uh, but first he needs to go get a weapon. He needs to go get a new weapon because in Ragnarok, his lovely sister Hela destroyed his weapon, so he needs a new one. And so he is going to go to... I am not even going to say the name of it because I will screw it up every time. You know what? Fuck it. We'll try and do it. We'll try and do it. It's it's Nida Nidavalia. Nidavalia. <laughs> what a fucking name. Anyway, he's going there to go get a go get a new weapon. So the Guardians break up. They take he takes a Groot and Rocket and he goes to Nivadalia. 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 Nidavalia. Nida. Screw it. I'm not going to say it. We're going to call that Peter Dinklage planet. That's what we're going to call that. Because I'm not saying that name again. So he takes Rocket and Groot to Peter Dinklage Planet, and the other Guardians, they're going to go to nowhere to try and stop Thanos taking the Reality Stone. So Gamora, Drax, Mantis, and uh, Quill, they all go to nowhere. So they find the Thanos, and he is standing over the Collector, questioning him where the Reality Stone is. And they kind of sneak up on him, and there's a little back and forth. And I'm skipping over a bunch of stuff here. But basically, what happens is they put Drax to sleep, he falls down and goes to sleep. And Gamora goes running at Thanos and jumps at him. He catches the blade uh, and breaks the tip off. She pulls it back and stabs the rest of the sword through his throat. And then she pulls out a dagger and just for, you know, the double tap. She's learnt the double tap. She stabs him in the chest. And he holds his neck. He <laughs> curls out like a, why? And then he falls down and dies. And there's no way you think he's dead. Absolutely no way. If anyone in the audience thought he was dead. Ooh, actually, what a cool thing that would be, right? If Thanos died right there. And then, I don't know, what's his partner? Death, from the comics, comes out. And, <laughs> psych, he wasn't a real villain all the time. Now, that'd be like a Mandarin swap, and that was terrible, so we don't want that. But anyway, it reveals that he's not actually dead. And it's all tricks being played by the Reality Stone. His body disappears, and then it does like a slow wipe as it reveals to Gamora and the rest of them that the place that they've landed actually is not just abandoned, it's on fire and burning, and everything is destroyed. Even the Collector is standing there waving in his little cell, and he gets wiped and he disappears as well. And then, the real Thanos appears, and it shows that he already has the reality gem. He's got three gems now in his, in his gauntlet. Now, I thought this movie was going to be like a part one, part two, which it kind of is, but I'll get to that later on, my opinion on that. But I thought, in the first movie, the max at most that he was going to get was three gems, especially when, in the trailer, they show him in the final fight scene at Wakanda, and he only has two crystals. So that's another thing, by the way, the trailers that they tricked you with. Ha! But I thought that he was only going to find three crystals in this movie. There's going to be a bit of a break, and then he finds the final two, you know, in the next movie. But here we are. We're not even, like, what? We're close to halfway through the movie, maybe? And he already has three crystals. And I think that... I don't know. At first, I, my thought was that I thought it was too fast. And then... Thinking about it, I think it just shows how efficient Thanos is. Like, how he just sweeps over everything just to get what he wants. And I, I think that's a really good way to do it. I think it's actually paced really well. But anyway, so he's got the three crystals, three gems, whatever you want to call them. And the other Guardians start to attack. Drax, the first one, starts running at him and turns him into a bunch of Lego bricks, basically. Just blocks that fall down. And then he turns to Mantis, and he turns Mantis into, like, this springy, like, confetti. It almost looks like, you know when you send those surprise, like, gift rolls to people, and they open it up, and the snake comes out? It's kind of like that, but it's, like, layered. <laughs> I don't know, I thought it was really cool. Anyway, Star-Lord comes out, and he's pointing his gun at Thanos, and I think he calls him Grimace. 
<laughs> I just thought that line was great. Uh, and his nutsack of a chin, I thought that was a good one too. <laughs> and he's pointing, pointing his gun at, at Thanos and, and Gamora's begging him like, no, no, don't point your gun at him, point your gun at me. Point your gun at me, shoot me, kill me. And Thanos is egging him on and going, go on, do it, do it, kill her, kill her. And eventually they both say, I love you to each other. And he pulls the trigger and bubbles come out the end of it. And it goes to a wide shot and you can see in Thanos' glove, the red red gem is glowing, reality, he's changing the reality. Which I actually really like that, by the way. It's kind of, it's kind of one of those things that, it's a good effect and it's supposed to not bring notice to it. Like, it's not supposed to be... It's just supposed to be, like, a natural thing. Kind of like, you know, where Spider-Man, like, he gets his spider senses and the hair on his arm stands up. It's kind of like a thing where, like, of course, it's spider sense. You instantly know it. Whereas this one, he has his hand closed and you know which gem he's using because it's glowing. And I, I like that. It's, like, it's such a simple thing, but it's nice to let you know what's actually going on. You know, they could have gone... Well, they wouldn't have, but, you know, you could have gone a cheesier route and be like, I'm using the reality stone! But, you know, just just a subtle show is kind of like a nicer way to do that but anyway so it shows bubbles coming out of the end of the gun and then the gun turns the bubbles and it just floats away and Thanos is impressed with the fact that he was actually going to kill Gamora and he's like um you impressed me or something and then he gets teleported away him and Gamora and that's it there's left standing there Star-Lord, Drax and Mantis putting themselves together and just in pure shock another loss for the Avengers slash Guardians you know they've lost another battle and I really like that. So Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, and Tony Stark are on Ebony Moore's spaceship, or their flying donut, as Tony calls it. And uh, Doctor Strange is being tortured by Ebony. He's sticking these, like, crystal needles in his face, pretty much. And uh, he's trying to get him to give up the stone. Uh, Tony's sitting above, and he's looking down, and uh, Doctor Strange's cloak pats him on the back. Which I think, like, it's almost like a Pixar movie level of... of uh, emotion in in the cloak like you can kind of tell what the cloak is thinking by what it's doing like tony turns around and points his gun at it and uh you know he puts his little he puts his little i don't know i'm gonna i better call him cloak hands but he doesn't have cloak hands but i'm gonna call it that you know what i mean he puts his little cloak hands up like a surrender and then you know um, peter drops in as well and tony's upset that he's there because he wanted him to be back on earth and safe and uh peter tells him that technically it's his fault because the suit's so intuitive and you can see the shock not only on, on Tony's face, like, how dare you? But you can also see it in the cloak. The cloak's kind of doing the same movement of, no, you didn't. Which I really like that. Like, it's almost like another character. It doesn't feel, you know, like, it feels like another character. And I really like that. Anyway, so he, he tells, he tells uh, Peter and he's like, look at this. This is that situation. And Peter says, have you seen that really old movie, Aliens? So Tony drops down behind Moore, who's still torturing Strange. Uh... And basically, Moore says one of the sickest lines here. He's like, he picks up this giant metal hunk and he's like, uh, You've saved nothing. Your powers are inconsequential compared to mine. And Tony's like, yeah, but the kid's seen more movies. And he shoots a rocket at the side of the ship and it blows a hole in the ship and Ebony Moore gets sucked out into space. And you have a shot from outside in space where he's got like the alien look of the alien pose as he's frozen flo floating away which I actually really liked I thought that was really funny but then you have Doctor Strange almost gets sucked out into space and his cloak grabs him but he slips through and then Spider-Man comes and he webs him and he grabs onto something and that thing breaks and he's going sucking out the door and all of a sudden these arms come out of the back of Spider-Man and grab him onto the hold and he actually makes a what are those which I'm pretty sure is a reference by the way pretty sure that was a reference but I had like a giggle at it and no one else giggled and I was like maybe 
Maybe it wasn't a reference. Maybe I'm looking too much into it. But I thought it was a reference to, you know, the what are those shoes? Which, if that's the case, they've done that twice now because they did that in Black Panther as well. But anyway, he's got these legs that come out and he brings him back in and drags him back into the ship and they save his life. There's a lovely little back and forth there where Doctor Strange is confused about what uh, Tony Stark and Spider-Man's relationship exactly is. And it's like, Peter goes, Hi, I'm Peter. And he goes, I'm Doctor Strange. And he goes, Oh, we're using our made-up names. Oh, well, then I'm, um, I'm Spider-Man. It's just a great, like, back and forth. I think it's so funny. But anyway, the scene basically them discussing whether or not they're going to fly their ship back or not. And Tony tells uh, Strange that Thanos has been in his head for ages, which we've seen. He's been in his head for a while. I think it's been... Well, it was the first Avengers movies when the aliens, and he's been thinking about it since then. But then, really, Thanos has been in his head since Scarlet Witch put it in his head. So they decide, basically, that they're going to go to uh, wherever the donut is going to take them. And they're going to land, and they're going to fight Thanos on his own turf. They think that might surprise him. And Strange says to Stark, basically, that if it comes between saving him, the boy, or the Mind Stone, then he's going to save the Mind Stone. Which, instantly, you know that he's not going to save the Mind Stone, he's going to save one of them. But then Tony walks over to Peter, and he knights him, and he says, You are now an Avenger. Which, that has to be... Tom Holland is a great actor, but that has to be a scene that you don't need to act at at all. Because Tom Holland trying to act in that scene, I reckon, would be a piece of cake. Because he is an Iron Man fan, he is a, a Marvel fan. So, being, like, told that you are now an Avenger, you wouldn't even need to act that. You'd just have to just let your emotions go through, basically. <laughs> But yeah, that's a, I really like that scene. It's a really good moving scene. It's another one of those really good film, like good scenes, which is needed in this movie because there's a lot of lot of down, lot of like sadness. <laughs> now I'm jumping around a bit here, and some of that's intentional. I'm just missing stuff that is all very cool, not stuff that I really have time to talk about, uh, and some of the stuff I'm just kind of forgetting what order it's in because it's going off the top of my head. And even though I've seen it four times, I just I don't remember the order. So. I don't know if this is the next scene, but this is the one that I want to talk about next, which is basically Gamora uh, and talking to Thanos sitting in the throne room and Gamora is talking about how basically how she hates him and she hates the throne and she hates all this stuff and how she was happy on her home world and that her people were living peacefully and Thanos says something which and this is why I think he's a good villain because I don't actually look at him and think of him as an almighty bad guy I think of him as someone trying to do something right and I kind of understand where he's coming from and I kind of Think about the same thing he's thinking about. I, do I? Would I do the same actions that he does? Probably not. But basically, he says that the planet that Gamora was from, there were children starving. They didn't have enough food, and it was overpopulated. And he came in and he wiped out half the planet. And now the kids there go to bed with full tummies, and everyone lives happily. Which, you know, he killed half the population to do that, which is a terrible, terrible thing. And I do not agree with that whatsoever. However, from the point of resources are, like, they do run out. They're not, it's not endless resource. You've got to be careful with what you've got. I kind of understand where he's coming from. But I also understand where the Avengers and where we would come from as well. Because he wants to kill people at random. So you don't know if you're going to live or die. And that's just, that's just life. You, you want to live. You want to, that's just natural instinct is to su survive. So I can kind of understand where everyone else is coming from. But... I totally respect Thanos from this scene. I get where he's coming from. And then Thanos reveals that he actually sent Gamora searching for the Soul Stone. And she says to him, I'm sorry that I failed you. And Thanos leans down and says, I am disappointed in you. But it's not because you didn't find the stone. It's that you did and you lied. And I don't know. 
Like, it's such a simple line, but the way his eyes widen as he says it, I, I don't know, it's such a cool one. It's one of those ones that I could go back and watch several times. Josh Brolin did a really good job voicing Thanos. I really like his voice. Anyway, I'm gushing too much. <laughs> so, uh, he reveals that he actually has Nebula and has been torturing Nebula and has vision of Gamora telling Nebula that she found the map to the Soul Stone. And then he's just ripping her apart. Like, she's machine, but he's, like, stretching her. Like, I don't know, it was horrific. And hearing her scream... The first time hearing her scream was horrible. The second and third time hearing her scream was still just as bad. And the fourth time, like, I just wanted it to stop. <laughs> and I guess that's, the, that's a good part of that scene. It's like, you feeling the same way Gamora was. You just want it to stop. So, Gamora stops it by telling him that she has found where the stone is hiding because she's read the map and it is hiding out on Vormir. So, her and Thanos go to Vormir to go and find the stone, where they run into Red Skull. And it's kind of funny, in the movie, when you see Red Skull for the first time, you don't actually know it's him, you just see a floating, like, it almost, almost looks like a Dementor from Harry Potter, um, floating in the sky. And I thought, I thought for sure, I was like... Wow, that voice, that kind of sounds like a Lord of the Ringsy kind of thing. And then it kind of floats down and it reveals that it's Red Skull. And I'm like, oh, no wonder that sounds so Lord of the Ringsy. It's bloody Hugo Weaving playing Red Skull. That's why it sounds so Lord of the Ringsy. But when I actually went home and looked it up, it's not, it's not uh, Hugo Weaving play at all. It's actually a guy called Ross Marquand. But he sounds really like Hugo Weaving. So I've got to give him props there. Because if I hadn't gone and cheated and looked it up, I would have been convinced that that was the exact same Red Skull from Captain America, the first one. So anyway, Red Skull reveals that when he looked into the uh, stone, it actually sucked him off and sent him to this place to guard another stone that he'll never be able to reach himself. And they also reveal that to get to the stone, the soul stone requires a sacrifice of something Thanos loves. Which instantly, as soon as they were talking down bottom and he was like, it requires a sacrifice, I was like, oh no, bye bye Gamora. But as soon as he said it at the top, he's like, a soul for a soul. Everyone knew, everyone knew that it was going to be Gamora going over the edge. Because Gamora hates Thanos. Doesn't really, well, he, she despises what he is. Uh, Thanos truly loves her. And she starts a speech about how he loves nothing. He cares for no one. He tortures and kills everything. And Thanos turns around and he has a tear rolling down his cheek. And she's like thinking he's crying about losing the soul stone. And Red Skull says that he's not crying for himself. And it kind of clicks on her finally that the thing that he cares about most is her, that he actually truly loves her, which she says, no, this is not true love, which is another one of those heart wrenching things. Imagine, you know, raising a child and it just hates you the entire time. It hates you. It tells you it hates you. It hates everything about you, but you still love that child. Like, I, I don't know. It's another one of those deep things that kind of just hits you in the feels when you think about it. So he grabs her and he says, I'm sorry, I've ignored my destiny once before, I can't do it again. And he grabs her and he throws her off the edge and it's bye-bye Gamora. So that's another one down, which... So that's three people dead so far, right? You've got Loki, Heimdall and Gamora. And these are the three that I think are staying dead because... The, well, the only reason I can think you would bring back Gamora would be if you trade someone else for her. So maybe you trade Nebula for her, or, and I think this is a rather crappy version, but if you maybe train, if you maybe trade the Soul Stone, like put the Soul Stone back, you get Gamora's life back. But I don't know, That's that seems really cheap. So, I don't know. If they can do it, if they can do it without me feeling like I've been ripped off, then I think they've done it well, but otherwise it's bye-bye Gamora. And yeah, those are the three deaths that I think are definitely staying. 
one more to come, but we'll get there. So he throws her off, and then the sky crackles, and he wakes up back down in the water on the back down the mountain, and he sits up, and he's got it. He's got the soul stone, and he puts it in his he puts it in his glove, and now he has four. So Stark, Strange, and Peter they all uh, are coming up on a planet, and uh, they think this is the planet they're going to land on. And I'm using land with air quotes. Doesn't work in audio form, but just imagine me doing air quotes. Landed their spaceship. They crash brutally. It wrecks it. But they all survive. They're all good. And that's where they meet uh, Mantis, Drax, and Star-Lord. And they have a bit of a fight at first, a bit of a confusion of who's on whose side. Um, which they have a great line in it as well. Where it's like, uh, Star-Lord says, uh, where is Gamora? And Tony goes, I'll do you one better. Who is Gamora? And Drax goes, I'll do you one better. Why is Gamora? And my friends and I have been saying that constantly ever since we've left the cinema so i fucking love that line it's so stupid also you got drax uh being strangled by dr strange's cloak and he goes die blanket of death i don't know it's just <laughs> scenes like that it's, it's just so funny in such a in a movie where like so many people have died and there's such serious consequences it's nice to have those little you know laughing moments before you get back into the action again it's it's nice and i, I really enjoyed their back and forth banter and it also, it's, it's a real testament to Marvel, the fact that, you know, these characters from such different franchises can all fit together, which is, and it seems so seamless, which I really like. Like, oh, there's obvious ones. You've got cocky Tony Stark and cocky Doctor Strange. You know, that's an obvious fit that's going to fit in right there. But then you've got the Guardians of the Galaxy buffoons, and then those three. Like, that's a, that's a pretty good one. But eventually they, they figure out they're all on the same side after some name-calling. And they try to make a plan to when uh, Thanos arrives. And while they're making a plan, you can see Doctor Strange in the background kind of floating in the air. Which, like I said, you don't see... Like, right at the start I said this. You don't see in the trailer that he's not actually floating there. But in the movie, yeah, he's floating in the background. And he's basically using the time stone to see into the future. And he says... And I'm trying to get his words absolutely specific here. Because I think it's important. He says, I'm looking at the future... I'm looking at the coming conflict, is what he says. Which makes me think he's only looking at the fight to come. And this is important because at the end of the fight, and I'm jumping way ahead. We'll get, we'll get back a little bit later, but I'm jumping way ahead here. At the end of the fight, basically, he gives up the Mind Stone to save Tony's life. And he says it's the only way. Now, the thing that's tripping me up about this is the fact that is he looking only at the current conflict, like the one that's going to happen on Titan and the ending of that? Or is he looking even further ahead and seeing like a whole rounded like future of what's going to happen further down the line because he knows that everyone dies he knows that but does he know that we can bring everyone back is that as far as he's seen or is he only seen up to the part where and that's basically the part that i think i've settled on is the fact that i believe he has only seen as far as the end of that battle which he believes the only way they could have won that is if tony lived every other way thanos got the mind stone and everyone died yet if he does it this way at least one person survives and that was the only victory that he saw really but i could be wrong he could have seen even further into the future but that's just, that's what i think but anyway so they're sitting on that planet and they've decided a plan and they're getting ready to to fight thanos when he comes back back on earth they've basically met up with Rhodey, and uh they've decided that they're going to go to wakanda to try and get the mind stone taken out of vision's head without killing him, because the other option they have is Wanda using her abilities to destroy the Mind Stone, but they believe that's going to kill Vision as well. Um, so they want to try and do this first. 
So they fly to Wakanda and they meet T'Challa and they also meet Bucky. Bucky's better. He's got his a new arm. It's a fancy new golden black arm. And uh, they basically start trying to take the stone out of Vision's head. While this starts happening, you see spaceships start falling from the sky and uh, they're bringing more aliens. One lands on the dome that's protecting uh, Wakanda and it just gets blown to absolute smithereens. Which is kind of funny because you see it from like a wide shot and you see that the dome only covers, it covers most of the city but it doesn't cover all the city. And I'm just wondering if it like, will the pieces sliding down the dome, will they get burned up because they're just touching it? Or will they actually like fall off it and then, you know, crush the city outliers around the edge? But that was just me thinking, I don't know. Um, but the other ones come down on the outside and they land. Black Panther basically gets all the Wakandan tribes together and they stand there as an army. And then you've got all the Avenger heroes that are there also ready to fight as well. And you have Cap and Black Panther, and I think it was Black Widow as well, all walk down to the edge of the shield. And they talk to uh, Midnight and Anchor Boy. And Glaive's not there. And Black Widow says, uh, where's your other friend? And Midnight says, you will pay for his life with your own. Which we know later because the fact that we've seen the movie is that he's not actually dead and he's actually a spy that's infiltrated. Which I'd like to see how he did that, thank you very much, because how the hell did he get in the city? There's a dome around it, right? I don't know, maybe it's got like, you know, hotel pool hours. It's, the dome is only up from 8am to 8pm and then it shuts off. <laughs> but um, he's basically inside. And Black Panther basically says, you'll get nothing from us except dust and blood. And Midnight says, we've got blood to spare. And that's when they reveal this giant dog-like army. They all come running out and they just come running at this wall and basically killing themselves on the wall. A few of them can open up the wall and they're getting burned as they do it, but they can jump through. So a few are getting through and they realize that they can get through. So they start spreading her out, going around the outside. And basically Cap says, we need to keep them in front because if they get around behind us, we have no protection. So they decide that they're going to open the dome in a certain place, let them through, and fight them out. It's one of the sickest scenes as well, because they open the dome, and the whole army is running towards it, and out of nowhere you see Cap and Black Panther just sprint off ahead at the start, and just go running in by themselves into the dogs, and beating the shit out of them. Which is a really good scene. It also kind of reminds me of, in Lord of the Rings, the third Lord of the Rings movie, where the hobbits are at the front of the fight and they go sprinting ahead and then everyone goes running past them but kind of opposite where it's like if everyone was running and then the hobbits ran out in front I don't know it just put that image in my head for some reason but I really like that I really like that scene of watching them run off ahead and actually getting out and then you have everyone's you know kind of doing their own thing your Black Panther beating the shit out of people and I like the fact that you can actually see from the sky shots you can see his little purple explosions happening every now and then when like the energy gets pushed back onto wherever he's fighting and Cap's beating people down and you got uh, Hulk is the, not Hulk you got Bruce Banner is there not hulking it out he's actually in the Iron Man Hulkbuster suit and he's firing his lasers at people as well and you got Falcon comes flying in he's shooting as well and you have uh, Rhodey flying across and I actually really think Rhodey's OP at some points because he's just got like these massive missiles well they're, they're just little missiles but they crack a big explosion and just <laughs> right the area where the the shield is open blowing them all to pieces and uh yeah they're doing pretty okay and then we cut to Thor and we got Thor, Groot and Rocket they've arrived on Peter Dinklage planet and uh they get his axe I'm skipping over a lot here by the way but it's a good scene, but it's one of those ones where you just have to watch it. It's not really one to talk about. It's a, he gets his axe, basically, and he does so by holding open... He has a Captain America moment. You know a Captain America in uh, Winter Soldier? He's uh, holding on to the helicopter that Bucky's escaping, and he's holding on to the landing platform, and he does that little 
little stretch where he shows his muscles. Well, basically, Thor gets one of those scenes where he's holding open the eye to let the sun come out. Well, it's a it's a star basically shooting out, and he gets his little muscle scene, which I'd actually like this to become like the new thing where each cap, like each uh, character gets like a muscle scene where they get to hold something open in a, you know, <laughs> a pose. I think it's pretty good. But anyway, so he gets the axe and he almost dies doing so and he needs to get the axe to him to uh, revitalize him but he can't find the handle and Groot makes a handle out of his arm and he chops his arm off and he basically makes a handle for him and uh, back on Earth they're getting overrun you know, Captain America gets knocked down he has people biting at him Bucky gets knocked down he has people biting at him same with Black Panther same with, you know, the Hulk uh, Anchor Boy comes in and knocks Rhodey out of the sky with his anchor and he gets, you know, overrun as well. And then there's the Bifrost, you see, slammed down on the ground and there's a giant sweeping shot coming in. Such a heroic shot of Thor, Rocket and Groot standing there. And his axe comes swinging out of it and it knocks all the people off everyone and it comes back to Thor. And it's just such a, it's just one of those epic scenes. The first time I saw that in the movie, such a loud applause and clap, which in Australia, that's not really like a, a big thing. I mean, I know it's over in America, that's a giant thing, but in Australia, that's not really a big thing. And it was, it was, it makes the movie, I think. Like, I know people who don't really like audience participation in movies. They think like, you know, watch the movie and, you know, laugh at the funny parts, but don't really participate. But there is something really fucking good about when a scene is just, added on to with everyone just you know feeling so happy that someone's there in such an epic pose but anyway he starts turning the tides he turns around he just slaughters all the people coming out he jumps into the sky and he has his little raven moment basically where he, his eyes turn blue and he has lightning coming at everything and the sky darkens and he lands and he wipes out all the dogs nearby and I, that's just such an epic shot so back on titan uh thanos finally arrives and he sees dr strange sitting on the steps basically and they have a bit of a back and forth where Thanos reveals that Titan is actually his home planet and that he was having the same problem. The place was overcrowded and overpopulated and he tried to commit genocide to save him, but the people there didn't want him to do that. And now the planet is gone and destroyed. And, you know, it's just another one of those things that kind of, it kind of shows where Thanos is coming from. Like, like he's seen it. He's experienced it firsthand on his home planet. He understands how much is at stake to lose if something drastic isn't done. I don't know, it's, I, found, I found myself coming out of this movie agreeing with Thanos a lot, which is interesting considering the fact that he's supposed to be the bad guy. But anyway, so they have this little back and forth and Doctor Strange basically says, you will find our will equal to your own. And the fight begins with Tony dropping a building on him. And there's so many sick moments in this, it's gonna be hard to cover them all and do them justice. It's one of those things where you just gotta see it. An audio, me talking about it is not going to do it justice. But Thanos gets crushed by the building, he then explodes the building out, turns all the rubble into bats, and then chases Tony away with the bats. So you have, like, uh, Spider-Man coming through Doctor Strange portals, and he's bouncing around doing magic kick, magic flying kick, magic punch, and this kind of stuff, and that was sick. And then you have Quill running at him, and he's jumping on discs that Doctor Strange is putting down, drops a grenade on his back, and then jumps out, and the grenade blows up. Like, there's just, it's just such a sick fight scene. And everyone working together in that classic Marvel way. There was no sweeping shots here that I thought that was interesting. There was no sweeping shots showing what everyone's doing at once. But the big scene here that I'd say is like a group shot is basically when they finally uh, get Thanos down. So you have Doctor Strange is holding his glove, making sure he can't close it. You have uh, Spider-Man swings around and like holds his body back. You have 
Uh, Quill got like an electromagnetic on his other arm, holding his other arm down so he can't put his arms up. And then Doctor Strange opens up a portal and drops matches on his head. And as we've seen in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, she puts him under and kind of puts him in like a spell. And they have him kind of under, he's kind of struggling, she says be quick, it's, you know, he's strong, and Spider-Man comes over, and they swap, so Spider-Man comes over and helps trying to take the glove off of Tony, and um, Doctor Strange swaps to his other arm and is holding his other arm down so he can't move, and Drax is laying on the ground holding both of his legs. So they're holding him down, and Tony and Peter are trying to get his glove off, and Quill comes flying out of nowhere and lands in front, and walks over, and he's being a bit cocky, and he's being a bit uppity, and he asks Thanos, where is Gamora? And slowly it reveals that he's killed Gamora. Now, I've gone back and forth over the situation because every time I watch the movie, I have the same goddamn reaction. They get so close to getting that glove off to the point where it actually slips off his hand and he catches it and he puts it back on. That's how close they have to get the glove off. So I am super pissed at Quill for doing it. But if I take a step back from that and I look at it from a point of view of character, it's totally Quill. Letting his emotions get the better of him and acting rash... That's a Quill move. That's the Star-Lord that we know and love. So even though he's done something fucking stupid, um, I, th I still think it's true to the character and something he would still do. So he fucks it up. Fucks it up hardcore. And uh, basically they lose. He puts the glove back on and he knocks Doctor Strange away. He knocks everyone away. He, you know, knocks Mantis off. Spider-Man goes and catches her. He knocks Drax away. Like he, he basically just comes back. And there's another really cool in this scene later on where basically he looks up to the sky and sees a moon in the sky and he points his glove at it and he cracks the whole planet and then he sends um, meteors basically from that planet through a portal towards them attacking everyone else. And Spider-Man's rushing around trying to grab everyone in low gravity and basically trying to save their life. And you have Tony Stark trying to dodge and weave trying to get through them all and eventually he gets hit by uh, a rock and gets smashed into the ground. No, Not dead yet, of course, but you know... <laughs> He's going alright. So Doctor Strange appears on one of the one of the floating uh, rocks that's missing, and Thanos is standing another, and they have kind of like a magic duel back and forth, which is really, it's a really cool fight scene, and you can kind of see how far Doctor Strange has come. He's able to kind of hold his own. But the sickest part about this is the fact that Doctor Strange sends this crystal wall at Thanos, which I think is him trying to get him into the mirror dimension so he can't do any harm, but Thanos just breaks the entire thing, shatters it, turns it into this almost like a black hole and sends it back at, at Doctor Strange who then catches it and turns it into butterflies which I find it's such like a it's just a simple back and forth but it's so nice to watch and un, if I'm correct and thinking that is the mirror dimension it's such a nice thing that you can understand what's going back and forth there but then Thanos twists the reality and drags Doctor Strange closer and then grabs him by the neck and uh, throws him away, and it seems like he knocks him out. And then Iron Man comes back, and Iron Man has his last kind of hurrah, kind of like a, a very worrying when the first time I saw it, because he has this epic showdown where you know he shoots this thing at the glove, and it keeps the glove open. He breaks that, and then he runs up and he's punching and kicking, and he's got like these, I don't know, his armor kind of adjusts to what he needs, so he has like a thing on his foot which clamps down on the glove to hold it down, or he gets like these two, like basically big batons and he can punch Thanos backwards and it's like this massive showdown and it's all for just one little scratch on Thanos's face and gets a little bit of blood drop which Thanos is the same thing it's like all of that for just a drop of blood 
And then he grabs Iron Man's helmet and he rips it and he rips off his helmet and another helmet appears and he starts punching him in the face and you can kind of see uh, Tony's armor adjusting to what parts is needed as it slowly gets less and less. Uh, and basically at one point he turns it into a sword on his arm and he goes to stab him and he, Thanos dodges it, grabs it, turns it around and stabs it at Tony. Now the first time I saw that I actually legitimately thought that Tony was dead. I, I thought that was how they were going to put the icing on the cake of like, this is your serious character. <laughs> this is a character you all love. Well, not like the other ones weren't loved, but this is the character that started all this off and we're killing him, which I have to admit. Even though uh, coming out of Marvel movies, I'm like, they have to commit, they have to kill some people sometimes. When his Tony Stark got stabbed, I was like, God, no, please no, please no. <laughs> so it's kind of like the reality check of, uh, <laughs> I don't actually want him to go. Just yet, not just yet. Anyway, so that's when Doctor Strange says, look, if, if you spare his life, I will give you the time stone, basically. And uh, Thanos says no tricks. He says no. He plucks out of the stars the time stone and he gives it to him. And now Thanos has five. He disappears through a teleporter and uh, Tony turns to Strange and says, why would you do that? And Strange says, we're in the end game now. So we go back to Earth and uh, Vision is up the top in the tower um, getting worked on by uh, Shuri, uh, who's trying to remove the stone out of his head. And Glaive appears in the tower and starts attacking them basically and she quickly stops what she's doing i don't think she succeeds what she's doing it looks like she pulls all the cords off him and cancels it they basically fall out of the tower vision and glaive and they're wrestling in the forest bruce tries to come help him with the hulkbuster and he ends up sending anchor boy up and away but glaive is still there fighting him captain america comes over they have a bit of a back and forth uh captain is screaming at him to screaming at vision to leave to go away and uh he's getting his ass kicked actually and Vision comes up and grabs the Glaive's spear and stabs it through his back and kills him the exact same way that Glaive tried to kill him at the start, which I think is a nice little roundabout way to do that. It cuts to a shot where basically you can see Thor absolutely destroying the ships that brought the dogs, the dog aliens, and he's destroying all the, uh, all the ships. He blows one up and he's heading for a second one and it cuts over to uh, Captain America standing there and Scarlet Witch kneeling behind Vision and you can kind of hear the, the trees right rustling and vision stone starts hurting him again and he says he's here and all the characters looking around you can see the trees moving and everyone's looking terrified and then it turns to the hulk and he turns around and you see the blue portal open up and you see thanos step through and thanos has arrived vision turns to wonder and basically says look this is it you need to destroy the stone in my head which she eventually agrees to do uh the other avengers start running at thanos trying to attack him he just he just goes through them like a hot knife through butter. It's ridiculous. He sends Hulk flying into a wall and traps him in a wall. He sends Captain America flying. He stops Falcon's wings from working and just crashes him into the ground. He crushes Rhodey in his suit and throws him away. He really just dismantles the whole lot of them. And there's one final epic scene of Captain America catching Thanos' gloves and trying to hold him back while uh, Wanda is destroying Vision's crystal. And it's just such an epic shot. and just how small we are in comparison it's just you know captain america standing there holding onto one of thanos's fingers like struggling holding onto one of his fingers and thanos just looks at him and just brings in a massive right hook and just smacks him in the face and knocks him to the ground and he starts walking towards wonder and vision and she turns around she's got still one hand destroying vision stone she puts the other one up and she starts trying to push thanos back and you can see him actually trying to struggle against it so i kind of guess that's how powerful she is that she can actually kind of not really hold her own but she can at least slow him down a little bit 
and he's getting closer and you're getting closer and you see Vision's crystal start cracking and then he just explodes and you see it from the treetop and all the glow explodes outwards and he is destroyed and Thanos turns to Wanda and basically says I understand my child she turns to him and she basically says back to him uh, you would never understand which you know kind of I can see from her side she has no idea the things that we've seen him do but you kind of feel sorry for him because you know that he's been through the exact same thing like with Gamora so you can kind of feel sympathy that, you know, he's actually been through what she's been through as well. Uh, having to kill a loved one for the better good, which, you know, I don't know, it's, it's, it's another thing that just makes me sympathize with Thanos. But then he basically uses his newly acquired time stone to turn back time to, to bring back poor old Vision only to pick him up by the neck and rip the stone out of him again. And once he rips all the stone out of him, the color instantly goes from him and he turns to gray and black, which I think is from the comic as well. And that's it. He puts it into his glove and he's got all six Infinity Stones. He has successfully gotten his six Infinity Stones. Then out of nowhere, Thor comes from the sky, swinging his axe at him. Thanos points his glove at him and shoots a beam at him. The axe cuts through the beam and goes all the way into his chest. And it lands in him and he stumbles and kneels down and Thor lands in front of him and says, oh, I told you I was going to kill you for that. And he pushes the axe in further, which you can see the pain on Thanos' face. And Thanos is murmuring something and Thor leans in closer to hear him. And he looks up and he says, you should have aimed for the head. And the camera pans over to his hand and he clicks his fingers. Everything goes kind of white and orangey and uh, Thanos appears in, I think he appears in the gemstone is what it is. And Gamora is standing there. And Gamora asks, has he done it? He says, uh, yes. She asks, well, what did it cost? And he says, everything. And then it cuts back out. And he's standing there with a destroyed glove. And him and, and Thor are both looking at the glove. And Thor asks him, what have you done? And he looks at Thor. And he gets sucks himself back into the portal, dropping Stormbreaker on the ground. And Captain America comes over and asks, where did he go? And Thor doesn't answer. And it's all quiet. And this, I'm, I'm setting this up like this. Because in the cinema... Every single cinema I went to, you had the same reaction, which I think is shows that you have a good scene. So basically, he says what has happened, and the cinema has gone quiet. No one is speaking, there's no one holding chips, no one all trying to open their popcorn packet, you know, like, no one is making a sound, everyone is transfixed to the screen. And you're not sure what exactly has just happened yet. And the camera pans to Bucky in the background and Bucky holds up his hand and he just turns to dust. And they all start just going one by one. So Bucky's first, then there's like Falcon, Wanda, then Groot. And then you go to the Titan planet and you have Mantis goes and Drax goes. Doctor Strange looks up at Tony and says, this was the only way. And then he goes as well. And then it turns to Peter. And Peter looks at Tony and says, I'm not feeling too good. And it's just, just a heartbreaking scene. He just looks at him and says, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And he's begging for his life. And then he falls to the ground. And then he looks at Tony and says, I'm sorry. And then just disappears. And that's just heartbreaking on several levels. One, it's Spider-Man. You know, he's like this plucky, upgoing, happy, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And here's this serious moment of him going. And the other side is Tony at the start of the movie is talking about how he really wants a kid with Pepper. And you could kind of look at it like Spider-Man is kind of like, you know, the son he never actually has at the moment. And it's just heart-wrenching looking at those two characters. And then, you know, Peter turns to dust and Tony slips through and lands in all the dust. And, and that's it. That's all the characters gone. And the last scene is basically Thanos sitting on a hill uh, at the front of like a hut overlooking this green valley. 
and he smiles and then the movie ends and that's the end of the movie now i've got some friends who have actually argued that they wanted the movie to start and finish instead they got a whole bunch of characters meeting up and no ending at all um and i've thought about that for a bit and i actually don't agree with that at all i think that this movie although it does have the title avengers i don't think this movie is is completely from the point of view of the Avengers. This is Thanos' movie. This is his movie to get all the crystals. This is his movie to wipe out half the universe. And he succeeds by the end of the movie, which surprised me because I honestly didn't think they were going to do that. I thought he was going to get three crystals and then the movie would end and that'd be it. But he doesn't. He succeeds in his mission. And that is the whole movie. Now, from the Avengers side of things, yes, there is a lead on to the next movie of how we're going to bring everyone back. Which is the second complaint that I hear people have with this movie. is the fact that all the deaths don't matter because of the fact that everyone's going to get brought back in the next one. Which I keep going back and forth on. Because on one hand, I absolutely agree. If every single person comes back, including, you know, Gamora, Loki, Heimdall, I reckon that Infinity War is not going to be as good of a movie as it is right now. Because of the fact that all the stakes and all the threats they made in that movie have been rendered mute. Um, because of the fact that they just bring everyone back. Now, we know that some characters are going to come back, because we know the fact that, you know, speaking in real life, Tom Holland has already spoiled the fact there's two more Spider-Man movies. Um, I don't think they'd let go of Black Panther. That was a smash hit. There's no way they're going to let go of that. And personally, I really hope that Doctor Strange is not gone, because I really, really like Doctor Strange, and I hope they make some more of him as well. Um, so, But we know that at least Spider-Man is coming back, which makes me think that all the people that were turned to dust are going to come back. Guardians of the Galaxy as well. That was another one that... You know, they've lost most of the characters for that, so they have to come back as well. Um, but in saying that, those are the people who turned to dust. That's the thing I think that's going to be reversed. The other characters that are dead, which is Loki, Vision, Heimdall, and uh, Gamora, I think they are going to stay dead. Possibly Gamora is going to come back, which maybe, like I said earlier, maybe they're going to trade a life for it, like a soul for a soul, to get her back. Maybe that'll work like that. But I feel like if those four characters come back without any consequences, um, I don't think that's going to be very good. But right now, I love the movie. Um, I think it is probably the best Marvel movie that I've seen so far. And people would argue like, you know, um, oh, it's only good because you've seen all the movies leading up to it. Um, which is true, but I don't think that should take away from a good movie. Like, they've set all these characters up over the 10 years... They've set all these things up, they've put everything in the place, this is a payoff for that. And I respect that, and I truly appreciated it. So, you know, I think this is a fantastic movie, I've seen it four times, I'd definitely go and see it again, but I probably shouldn't go see it in cinema. It's smashed the box office, and I can't wait to see the next one. So, uh, thank you for listening, this one is longer than I usually do, uh, sorry about that. <laughs> and I will talk to you maybe in the next one.